Hot Mike. Hot Mike. Welcome to the Collective Mindset Podcast. I am Gavin. Uh, I am Jordan. Jordan T. Hodges. Respect the T, guys. Welcome, welcome. This week, we want to talk to you guys about mortgage myths, some misconceptions that people end up having, right? Um, A lot of times, when you're a first-time home buyer, if you've never done anything, you don't know what the steps are, you don't know what the misconceptions are, you don't know uh, where the pitfalls are, you just don't know what you don't know, right? So we want to talk about some pretty common ones that maybe keep people from even getting to to the starting line, right? They don't even start looking to buy a home because they already disqualified themselves. Um, I think the number one topic is surrounding down payment. So what are some common things that people think about down payment that's wrong? Yeah, great question. So first off, most people think that there is a 20% down payment requirement in order to buy a house. That's like old school mentality. Like, I don't find that as often, but ironically enough, I still find it. Um, So that's not true. I mean, there's multiple different options. Um, An FHA loan, for example, is 3.5%, and a conventional loan is a minimum of 3% if you're a first-time home buyer or haven't bought a home in the last three years, Um, or it's 5%. So, I mean, all of those are typically manageable, and the other amazing thing is gift, is gift funds are allowed. Mm-hmm. So the gift funds have to come from a relative. Uh, so it'd be a family member, immediate family member, um, your employer, and or a specific like charitable organization, like a grant program. Which we have in Arizona. Yep. Yep. So the crazy thing is, is there's even down payment assistance programs that can make that happen for you as well. Yeah. I love that. They've also got, I mean, down payment assistance kind of makes people think, right, that's that's free money, grant money. It's coming from an outside source. FHA down payment assistance, we always think that that's kind of coming from an outside source, uh, which the grant programs in Arizona, that is what's happening. Uh, but there's also FHA loans where essentially you can just get a second mortgage mm-hmm. um, for your own down payment, a 3.5% second mortgage. Sometimes it'll have a payment. Sometimes it'll be a silent second. I think there's some income restrictions and stuff like that mm-hmm. that determine which one uh, you can do. So there's really no reason why a down payment should keep someone from buying a home. There's lots of different ways to to skin that cat. Well, breaking yeah, breaking news this week too. Like it, it made headline news across the country was Zillow announced a new program. So yeah. don't be fooled by this. That there's oh we're offering one percent down loans here at Zillow. So we've had that one percent down program for months. Yeah. Um, the unique thing is it's a very specific, like you've got to fit into kind of a low to moderate income track to be able to qualify for that. And then there's even then still, there's still a cap, but like we have that where we actually grant the new home buyer up to $4,000 that can go towards their down payment. Um, so it does work as a 1% down type of a product, but you're looking at like a $300,000 house, which those are few and far between. So, but you could still get up to $4,000 if you meet a certain income threshold. So to dispel kind of like myth number one, right? Like there are so many options out there um, for down payment. Obviously keep in mind with that lower than 20% down payment, you are going to be paying mortgage insurance, but we have discounted mortgage insurance options. So mortgage insurance isn't this big, bad, ugly animal that it used to be. It's still not great, but 
Considering well, where market rates are today, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, and think of the person who didn't buy a home two, three years ago because they wanted to save 20% down. Yeah. Right? They, yeah. And, oh, and now the home price has Jeez. gone up, whatever. It's gone up 50%, 60%. Rates have doubled, you know, because they were worried about paying mortgage insurance. And so sometimes you got to just, you have to put those things aside. Mm-hmm. You've got to stop thinking about, oh, the rate starts with something that I don't like or I'm used to seeing what yesterday's rate was. And, and now I'm just going to sit on the sidelines till things change or, or sit on the sidelines till I get the right down payment amount. Mm-hmm. It's like you really just you have to start crunching numbers and, and talking to people who, who maybe have done this a few hundred thousand yeah. times. Right. Uh, to get the right info. Well, the amazing thing, too, is like people probably don't realize that the conforming loan limit is seven hundred twenty six thousand dollars and two hundred dollars. And those programs you can do, you know, the three and five percent down on up to that. Now, if you're going to go over that and you're looking to buy like a million dollar homes, there's actually jumbo loans have a minimum of like 10% down. So even on a jumbo loan, if you're buying a million dollar house, it's only 10% down. It's it's not 20. Now you mm-hmm. can and, and maybe should, but there are 10% down jumbo products. So keep in mind, like there's also USDA rural loans. If you live in a rural area, that's 100% financing, no down payment. Um, VA loans, of course, are 100% financing, no down payments. If you're a veteran, thank you for your service, but you also have the best loan options that are available in the market. Yep. So Cool. All right. Well, I think the we covered that one pretty well, I think. So another one that I hear a lot is, oh, I'm just working on paying off a few things before I, I look at buying a house. Yeah. All right. People thinking, I got to have no credit card debt, all my student loans paid off, and and I'm working on my car now, right, to get that paid off. And sometimes that's just just lunacy, right? And I keep thinking about people who didn't buy a home two, three years ago because of reasons like this. Yeah. So what what can you add to that? What are some of those myths specifics that people, you know, think about that scenario? Yeah, you kind of touched on it there that, uh, you know, I appreciate it. But what what people need to understand with credit, you know, there's a couple of different things that come in mind. But number one, Qualifying for a mortgage is a math equation. You, you could own, if you made great income, you could own three cars, a boat, another house. And if your income's sufficient, you could then go buy another house. Mm-hmm. So if you're considering like, oh, well, I rent and I pay $2,000 a month in rent and then I have a car payment, you know, that's 300 bucks and I have credit card payments and student loans that come out to $500. There's no way I can qualify for a mortgage. It's like, well, how are you making ends meet now? So Really, the simplest way I can say to do it is, you know, if you're making $8,000 a month as your family household income, slice that in half, say four grand. If, if you're making your bills fit, you know, out of gross income, not like I'm talking pre-tax. Yeah. Okay. If you can make your stuff kind of work in that four grand, so meaning, and I'm not, I'm not talking like utility bills and grocery bills and that kind of stuff. I'm just talking like car payment, student loans, rent credit cards, if those minimum payments that would appear on a credit report fit into that $4,000, then you are bankable from a debt to income ratio aspect. Yeah. And you, you've got to just, if you're not good at math, talk to someone else, <laughs> right? Let us help you with that. Uh, but yeah. Not to not go to math, just if it, that sounds confusing. Like yeah, how it if is, that's yeah. just going to hurt you or just be too much to think through. But like, don't let something like that be what stops you because ultimately right like maybe maybe you do need to pay off a credit card maybe you got to got to do that to get your debt to income ratio in line but 
how would you even know if you're not talking to someone and, and, and talking to them about, hey, we want to buy this much house. We're comfortable with this much, this much of a mortgage payment. And and here's the, you know, the details of our financials and talking with someone like us, we can help them understand like, hey, you you don't need to pay these two things off, but we would maybe need to pay that off to help you qualify for what you're talking about here. And it's like you're just not going to know that. So if you're thinking something like this is what's keeping you from even having that conversation, you're probably doing yourself a disservice. Yeah. Yeah. Have a conversation with the mortgage lender like us, you know, like we don't get paid until we close loans. So believe me, like we're going to try to figure out a way to make sure we can get you qualified. And if we can't, we're then going to help you navigate the steps on what you got to do and what debts you do need to pay off to get you qualified. So, and maybe you've been saving up all this money and you've been thinking you needed 20% down or 10% down, but you're, you've got these debts. So we could go like, Hey, no, pay these off, pay these off. Oh, grandpa was going to give you a gift for a down payment. Well, maybe grandpa can gift you and help you pay off this car. Yeah. Right. And then you only need the 3% down on the house purchase. So those are things that we would navigate the way through or like a good lender would, right. To help you figure out how to qualify. So have the conversation as early as you you know, the idea comes across your mind. Okay. I love that. Um, the last one, and I'll let you kind of, I'll let you jump into what are the things that people are, are getting incorrect, but related to self-employed income, people who own their own business. What are, what are some things you think people are, are not understanding about that and qualifying for a mortgage? Well, I think when it comes to that, a lot of people are like, Hey, I'm self-employed. My taxes are all screwed up. Like I can't qualify. Mm -hmm. And that that's not necessarily true. So a good accountant um, is typically going to add in some depreciation of assets or whatever to your business. And maybe there's some other write-offs that you're taking. But the, the main suggestion I tell all my clients is like, hey, before you press send and file those tax returns, if you're planning on buying a house in the next 12 to 24 months, have a conversation with a mortgage professional. So we can look and be like, hey, are you sure you want to take these and these and these, right? Because if 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 in real life you made two hundred thousand dollars in your business, but you show the IRS that you made sixty grand, you can't come turn around and be like, "Hey, I I want to buy this you know seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar house a year later." Yeah. So we want to be smart about it, but at the same time, like there are multiple ways to skin that cat. Yep. Right. From an underwriting standpoint, it's either based off of like, hey, we're looking at your tax returns. And generally, when you're self-employed, you got to have two years tax returns and you're going to take a two year average. If the second year is declining, it's lower than the first year, then they're going to take that second year only. OK, but if for some reason you don't fit in that box, guess what? We got options, you know. Gabby, you were talking about like, what are the other options they could have? Uh, so we can take the income on your bank statement so we can look at your business deposits and a lender will usually take some sort of expense factor based on the type of business that you are. But essentially, they'll just look at how much money are you depositing monthly into your business bank account? Uh, you can qualify that way. Um, there's even a stated income loan now where you can essentially just say, hey, I make this much money. Uh, if you're buying a primary residence and you've got a big enough down payment, there's an option for that. Um, if you're an investor and you're looking to purchase investment properties, and and maybe you just as an investor you write everything off. You're an entrepreneur. You're hustling. You're you're wheeling and dealing. But if you find a good deal on a home and you want to buy an investment property, you can do what's called a debt service coverage ratio loan, 
where essentially as long as the the revenue of that property, the rents cover the payment, you can qualify. So there's endless options. There's no reason to not have a conversation there. Um, as you were kind of talking about tax returns, I remember early on in my career, I got this, I got this, uh, tax, these tax returns from a client and he had, um, can't remember what it was called. It was a carryover loss Mm -hmm. from like previous years, like 10 years earlier, the guy's business had lost millions and millions of dollars. And he just had this continuing like three, $400,000 loss year over year on a business that was profiting about 250 a year. And so that was wiping it out every single year. He showed, you know, his bottom line, he paid no taxes every year because of this carryover loss. I learned after almost telling the guy he couldn't qualify, this was like right when I first started in the business. Yeah. I could add all that back in. Yep. So I think people, you do a disservice to yourself if you're just not having a conversation because you think you know. Um, If you know, you know, right? If you know you write everything off and you just, you're losing on paper every which way. Maybe you know, but I still think it's worth having that conversation. And if buying a home is something you want, let's map it out. Let's let's figure out how you can. And if it's not this year, next year. Yeah, perfect. So I got a couple other bonus myths I want to dispel too. Let's go. One of them I want to circle back to credit real quick. Credit scores. Um, oh, yeah. People think that oh, I've got to have perfect credit to buy a house. Gavin, what is the minimum required credit score on an FHA loan? We are well. Most of the time, we're going to say 580 on that. That's the, that's the baseline credit score there. There's scenarios where you can go even lower with a big enough down payment, but 580. Yeah, Good 580. Good rule of thumb. 580, guys. 580 makes it work. And what about on a conventional? 620. 620. Yep. You do not have to have perfect credit, guys. Like, literally, like, 580 credit score, I mean, I, I think a lot of people fit into that bucket. That's still a 3.5% down. Yeah. Now, the interest rate's not going to be super pretty, but... Hey, you're getting the tax benefits, you're getting into a home, you can work on that credit during the next 12 months and refinance later. Like, yep. that, that's, that's kind of the idea there. So there, that'd be myth buster number one, like really want to understand that. <clears throat> the other one I want to talk about that I see quite a bit is going back to this income idea or jobs. Um, some people like, they're like, oh, I'll just grab a second job real quick and then I'll qualify. Mm-hmm. If I go get, um, you know, a job working at Chick-fil-A part-time just to make it a little extra cheddar. Um, can I use that income? My pleasure. <laughs> You're supposed to say that after you give me the answer. Oh, um, no, you can't. No. Yeah. You've got to have a history of that. Yeah. And the history has to be the same job. So if you're thinking to yourself like, oh, hey, man, I'm just going to go get a second job and that's going to help me. That's going to help you save for a down payment. Yeah. But unfortunately... A second job is not going to help you from qualifying because they're going to treat it just kind of like self-employed. They're going to want a two-year history of working a second job and the same one. So if you switch part-time jobs four times in the two years prior to trying to come to qualify, it's not going to work. So it would be like, you know, you've been an Uber driver that you've been reporting that income for the last two years or you're... uh, you know, a nurse and you like to pick up three nursing shifts, you know, a pay period, but yeah. you also do something else at a doctor's office. I mean, it's those kind of a things or even heck, man, you, you know, deliver pizzas or something. Yeah. Sometimes, All kinds of stuff, but you yeah. just have to have the consistency. That extra income sometimes, those little side hustles, if it's not consistent and you haven't been doing it long enough, a lot of <laughs> times you're not going to get to use all of that. So 
Um, but if you're confused on all these other things and you're not asking us anyway, we'll never know. We right? won't know. So can you uh, can you have someone co-sign with you? What's the requirement? You definitely can have uh, a co-signer. So if you don't make enough money to qualify and say someone does, a parent, a family member that's willing to co-sign with you, uh, they would be considered a non-occupant co-borrower. So we get to use their income along with their debts, but their income essentially to help mm-hmm. qualify you for, for your home. So um, another interesting one to go with that, I have a deal right now where um, we've got a, a borrower, someone who's going to occupy the home. They don't even have a credit score. Yeah, they're like a 20-year-old kid yeah, or something? 20-year-old, no credit cards, no car payment. And they've never had any credit. So they have no credit score, but their parents are going to help them buy a house up where they're going to school. And with their credit score... And, and their income, we can make that work. So yeah. uh, lots of scenarios where if you don't know, you don't know. So you should definitely ask. Yep. That's why you, you, you enlist a professional to help you out. And the last little bonus tip, speaking of enlisting professionals, we love our real estate partners. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's myths on, you know, some people might be afraid and they're driving around like, oh, I don't want to use a real estate agent because I'm going to have to pay them all this commission. Um, does the buyer of the house pay a real estate commission? They do not. No money out of your pocket, folks. It's a true the, story. The seller is going to be paying that real estate agent. And so. they've already agreed to pay it. So that's how they're luring in these agents saying, hey, come show my house. I'm going to pay you X percent to attract buyers. And that's how they help. That's how it kind of works. And so you as the buyer, when you're going out, you're not, you're not on the hook to use an expert. And it's like, well, why would I want to have a real estate agent? And it's like you're 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 spending hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know. There is an education. There there yeah. is like a professionalism. There is there's the contract. There's the negotiation. There's the inspections, the timelines, the you know the monitoring. You know the managing the process between yeah. the lender, the title company, and the seller. I mean, there's a lot that goes to it that a real estate professional absolutely is worth it. Let's add a wrinkle to this. So my builder partners might hate me for saying this, right? But Earmuffs for builder partners. Earmuffs if you're a builder. Um, Even if you take a real estate agent in with you to see a builder, there's not really a whole lot that's going to be negotiated in that scenario. But oftentimes you still are going to get looked out for. You might you might get some protection there with some contingencies, right? But most of the time, people walk into a builder with no real estate agent. They're out there looking. It's a Saturday afternoon, and they're like, hey, let's stop in. And next thing you know, they're writing a contract 48 hours later. And because they walked in without that real estate agent, they have nobody looking out for their interests. So, you know, like I said, builders don't, and it's a little different now, builders don't always negotiate prices and concessions and things like that. A lot of times they're keeping it pretty standard, at least here in Arizona. But depends on the market. It depends we'll on see. the market, right? If you know, I know there's builders out there, if they have a house that's been sitting there and it's ready to close, they're a hundred percent willing to deal on it. So if you don't know that's kind of the the situation and that's the market and you just walk in, they'll tell you the price and you'll be like, yeah, we like it. And you'll sign. Whereas if you go in with a real estate agent who's experienced, they're going to know, Hey, I want to pay 20 grand less for that. Or, hey, I want mm-hmm. 20 grand off and an extra five towards closing costs. So having someone in your corner, especially one, you know, someone you don't have to pay, mm-hmm. it's always going to be worth it. So. Yep. One more. Are, are all lenders the same? 
when it comes to like mortgages and getting mortgage rates? What's the like? You've got banks, you got credit yeah. unions, you got retail banks, and you got mortgage brokers. Well, I mean, brokers are better. That's what we are. We are a mortgage brokerage, the mortgage collective here. So brokerages are always going to be able to find you a better rate. It's just because we're wholesale. We're like, yeah, yeah. We're we're going to be able to shop your deal out to as many lenders or as we can, you know, connect with and. We're going to be able to find you a very, very competitive rate. And so when you go to a bank, when you go to Chase or you go to a, a retail mortgage banker, they have one rate sheet. They've got one scenario they're going to tell you. There's there's one cost and one rate option. So, you know, I think 99% of the time with a brokerage, we're going to be able to find you a, a better deal. And we have more control over it. We can we, we know if you've got this kind of file, maybe we, we take it to one of these two lenders. If you've got this kind of file, these two lenders are going to be better. If, you know, if, if your deal's a little squirrely, we know not to send it to this guy and we send it to this guy. Whereas, you know, you walk into Wells Fargo and have a little bit of, you know, explaining to do in your personal finance, financial scenario. Wells Fargo might just say, eh, sorry, can't do the loan. Yeah. Whereas that's just not how we operate. We find a way to do it. And I think that's that's the benefit to working with the brokerage. Yep. Cool. So. Well, you guys, we hope we've, you've appreciated these uh, mortgage tips and these mortgage myths that we've dispelled. Um, if you have any others, feel free to hit us in the comments um, or message us, and we'd be happy to answer any questions that you have. Good luck out there in this uh, navigating this real estate market. It's pretty choppy waters. But uh, we'll be, be sure to tune in for more content. Sweet. Thank you, guys.